I use a lot of great tools to produce this show with Adam Karsh, our technical producer. But the one that has been absolutely the most important is an app for your desktop called Walter Pro. It allows me to drop any audio file type onto my phone for playback. Don't ask me how it does it, just know that it works simply and seamlessly, and everything I need to listen to ends up in the native iOS music app. Pretty genius, right? Well, now Walter Pro is part of a bigger suite of tools at softorino.com, S-O-F-T-O-R-I-N-O.com, that are all equally as powerful and simple to use. I'd encourage you to check out softorino.com and have a look at all the tools, but don't just look, subscribe to gain access to a universal license for all of them. That's right, at softorino.com. Softorino has been kind enough to give us five universal licenses to give away each week this month. To win one, all you have to do is tag us in a post that says, I listen to the Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman on your favorite social media platform. We'll gather the winners and at the end of the month, let you know if you've won. Now, on to the show. If you are sitting at home next to your radio, you're hearing the music faster than you are if you're in the hall. Listening for the secret. Searching for the sound. This is The Sound Podcast with Ira Haberman.
listening to The Poignant Dreaming Out Loud, featuring Ivan Neville and Ruthie Foster off of Government Mule's latest release, Peace Like a River, out now on Fantasy Records, wherever you listen or buy music. Government Mule's 12th record, Peace Like a River, is somewhat of a departure from previous records. Perhaps it was being cooped up during COVID, or the fact that the band got their blues out on last year's Heavy Load Blues, but this one hits different. It's clear the frontman Warren Haynes used the time constructing the songs on this record to hit harder lyrically, but also explore sonic territories not yet explored by the mule. I caught up with Warren to talk about the new record, many of the new songs, and much more. It's the 12th studio record. Uh, You recorded it at the same time, but in different rooms as Heavy Load Blues at the Power Station in New England with John Paterno. I know that you've recorded a number of records at Willie Nelson's ranch. What was the decision to do it back east up in up in Massachusetts with John Paterno this go round? Well, uh, I wanted to do it close to home for one. Uh, Power uh, Power Station, New England is only about an hour and 15 minutes from my house. And uh, the real mission was to find a studio with the two rooms we could set up for both albums. That was the most important factor, really. Uh, But since it was close to my house, we were able to bring a lot of my gear uh, from home and, and take more gear into the studio than we ever have. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, let's go through some of the songs on the record. And um, I, I'm not going to go through all of them because that will take uh, way more time than we have. But I'm just going to give you some thoughts on on some of these songs and you can comment where you see fit. Same as it ever was, the lead track has these soaring arrangements. It's more of a suite with different movements, sort of. It's it's many ways indicative of the record that it sort of goes in in different directions, much much like the record. How how did that song come together? You know, I had made a conscious decision in the past two or three years for the the next record, which is now Peace Like a River, to have some more complex arrangements where there's not just the normal two or three uh, musical sections, but maybe in some cases seven or eight different sections. Because I was thinking about a lot of the stuff that I loved growing up that was like that, you know, whether it was Frank Zappa or Yes, or, or even uh, more commercial stuff like uh, Band on the Run or Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, it, it just doesn't seem fair in a modern world to let people's short attention spans dictate your music. Uh, I think uh, when you go back to the late 60s, early 70s, Maybe people were more open-minded. Maybe the artists were more uh, willing to uh, push the boundaries. But at at the same time, I think people don't know what they like until they hear it. And so if you give people something that they don't expect, in a lot of cases, they're going to rise to the challenge. You go, oh, I think that's really cool. So we chose to open with Same As It Ever Was for that reason, because as you say, it is kind of indicative of the record. The record has four or five songs that kind of throw the norms out the window in that way. Uh, Shake Our Way Out is such a government mule tune, obviously. Uh, it's so cool that B- Gil- Billy Gibbons is on the track. Do you have? Did you have him in mind all the time, or was he added after the fact? He's just one of the coolest dudes in rock. Like, how could you not invite 
Mr. Gibbons on a track. You know, and, and Billy and I have been working a lot together in the last few years. And so we stay in touch all the time. Um, I didn't have in mind for him to be part of it until we were actually in the studio. But there was an obvious ZZ Top influence on that song from the very beginning. Uh, and he had appeared on uh, Broke Down on the Brazos on one of our previous records uh, called By a Thread. So it was, uh, you know, in some ways it's like, oh, well, we've, we've done that, but we're good friends. And I felt like his contribution to Shake Our Way Out really took the song to another level and, and especially bringing out the sense of humor in mm -hmm. the song, you know. For sure. Um, Made My Peace is very similar in in some of the sentiments that you expressed in Same As It Ever Was. I'm curious about how much uh, that tune specifically was influenced by Pink Floyd and the whole dark side of the mule thing. There's a very David Gilmour thing going on, uh, like solo David Gilmour stuff. Um, how much of of that inspiration or or thought was given to to Pink Floyd and Made My Peace? You know, I, I think some of the way we recorded it reflects uh, some of that influence, but I think there's probably even more John Lennon, Beatles-ish kind of influence. And of course, uh, those two things intertwine a lot, especially in the early years, you know, they were influencing each other, I think. Um, but in with Made My Peace, even to the extent that I uh, doubled my vocal to get that kind of John Lennon effect that a lot of people have used through the years, but I've never done it before now. Uh, and that song, as you mentioned, it's, it reflects on a lot of the same stuff that uh, Same As It Ever Was talks about, but it's a little darker and it also deals with the passing of my dad who died during that whole time period. Um, I hear the, the Pink Floyd connection but I think uh, I was acknowledging us going a little further down the Beatles trail than we normally would, even yeah. to the point of like playing some George Harrison slide guitar in that one section, you know, mm -hmm. and putting the orchestration uh, on a mule record for the first time ever. Uh, you know, it's our 12th studio record. So it's like, well, let's let's dig a little deeper. You know? <laughs> Um, Peace I Need is another emblematic government mule tune. Uh, seems like a good time to bring up your running partner, Matt Apps, who's been with you since day one of this band. Why do you suppose he isn't more widely recognized as one of rock's top drummers? I mean, certainly in the scene, he's well recognized and certainly amongst your specific peers he is. But, you know, he's not as widely recognized. And, and man, he he hits the shit out of the drums, man, in Peace I Need and in many other tracks on this record. It's it's kind of amazing. Yeah, Matt sounds fantastic uh, on this record, as does everyone. Uh, I'm really pleased with everyone's performances uh, on this record. And, and with the overall band chemistry, uh, I think it's fantastic. You know, Matt kind of flies under the radar in the same way that Governor Mule kind of flies under the radar. And partially, I guess, because... We choose to be a, a little bit uh, left of center and, and not not try to aim for the mainstream, so to speak. And uh, but in our world, uh, people are, are 
very aware of, of what a monster mad is for sure. Uh, Dreaming Out Loud, you're joined by Ivan Neville and Ruthie Foster. It's a song filled with inspirational quotes from MLK Jr., Robert and John Kennedy, and the late U.S. Representative John Lewis. Um, obviously, the message is more timely than ever. Is Ivan playing keys, or is that all Danny Lewis? It's all Danny. Uh, Ivan and Ruthie are only singing. Wow. <clears throat> which, in hindsight, Ivan would have been fantastic uh, on keys for that tune. And what Danny is playing is sort of reminiscent of that vibe. Uh, but we we had already finished the track before we decided to bring Ivan and Ruthie in. And since they had both sung on my Man in Motion record, uh, it seemed like an obvious fit. I love both of their lead voices, but we also blend really well together when we're singing harmony. The, the amazing thing about Danny is that he's so to tasteful in the choices he makes on which keys to use, whether it's the Hammond or, or you know, um, the clav or the fender, like it's, it's, it's unbelievable how, how tasteful and how in the know he is, what, what parts of the song need, what instrumentation from, from his end of things. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's, he's really good at, at choosing voices, uh, keyboard voices uh, for the song and for the section of the song, but he also does a lot of it on the fly at the same time, he'll be playing organ and clavinet at the same time and and uh and stuff like that uh and also interestingly uh danny chose to play some acoustic piano on this record which mm -hmm. we've shied away from in the past uh and i think it's, it's all very appropriate and, and beautiful uh, danny's uh performances are fantastic on, on this entire record there's horns too on this uh, on this track. Who who is who makes up the horn section here? Uh, the Chronic Horns, who are our friends from Brooklyn, that join us a lot of times uh, at the Beacon for some of our New Year's Eve shows and stuff. Uh, and they also played on two tracks on uh, Heavy Load Blues. Right. And so, uh, just to keep in the in the kind of tradition of what we were doing. For the two tracks on Heavy Load Blues, we set them up in the small studio. And for the two tracks for Made My Peace, we set them, I mean, for a, a Peace Like a River, we set them up in the big studio. So the way that it's the same horn section, but the way the horns were recorded are different on the two albums, even using more old vintage ribbon mics and stuff for the, the blues stuff. They, they sound absolutely great and sort of, you know, add another element to that song to, to really draw your attention in. But the horns, I should point out, You maybe, maybe we're going to ask me this anyway, but the horns on uh, The River Only Flows On Way, and the River Only Flows One Way is, is all Danny. Uh, right. That's Danny playing trombone uh, and trumpet and keyboards, and it's fantastic. Let's get into The River Only Flows One Way. First of all, uh, super megastar celebrity Billy Bob Thornton uh, <laughs> adds his uh, gentle touch to the song, his dulcet tones. Have you been friend? I know Billy is a big music fan. Have you been friends with him for a long time, or was this new? Yeah, for this probably. We've probably been friends about ten years or so, uh, and we we've had many mutual friends for decades. Uh, but we finally met around ten years ago, and and we're hanging out a lot at his place. Uh, he has a great studio in in Los Angeles, uh, and I've been there many times late night when I wrote. 
this song, The River Only Flows One Way, it occurred to me that this was the first time I've ever written a song that I wanted to hear the verses spoken instead of sung. Yeah. And so uh, we did a version with me speaking the, the, the verses, but in my heart, I thought, no, it needs to be somebody with a more narrator voice. And he's got that eerie, spooky voice that just mm-hmm. kind of draws you into the picture. And so I thought it would be cool to, to bring him in for that. And it's, it's perfect. That song, even though it's completely different than anything we've ever done, it turned out exactly like I hoped it would. It, it's different, but I still don't think it would be out of place on like a dub side of the mule set or, or, you know, it sort of has that dub feel to it with the keys and, and everything else that's going on in my mind, maybe I'm way off, yeah. but it, well, it does the, feel that way. Yeah. The music definitely brings a dub vibe to the table, but the, the lyrical and melody uh, and vocal approach is kind of coming from another world. So there's kind of, kind of, Clash of the Titans a little bit. (laughs) Um, After the Storm is another one of these amazing sprawling tunes. I'm curious, though, about your vocal performance, because night after night, verse after verse, chorus after chorus, it always seems to be on point. How how do you keep your voice so consistent? And I can't imagine I'm the only person to ever ask you this. I'm sure other musicians ask you this all the time. Um, How does Warren Haynes keep his vocals and his voice in shape so that you can be so spot on every time? Well, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, in my mind, I'm struggling many nights, but, you know, that's partially due to the fact that we do these really long shows. You know, if I was singing 75 minutes a night, it would be much easier. But I, I also think that the fact that we do these long shows is what keeps my voice in shape. You know, uh, it, it's the best exercise to sing for three hours, you know? And so the, the only times that I'm, or I shouldn't say only, but usually the only times that I'm in danger of losing my voice would be in time off when I haven't sung for a while and, and, and my voice is not in touring shape, so to speak. Uh, once once we get out there and are hitting it night after night, it usually has a way of, of building up strength uh, in, in a good way. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the advantages to being a road warrior, I guess. Um, just Across the River features Celise. Um, aside from her obvious talent, what makes this woman so special? I mean, she's just you, – you can – feel that she just radiates joy or or something like what makes her so amazing yeah it it is it just kind of uh radiates from from her this this passion this emotion you sense from the first note you hear her sing or play on guitar uh how caught up in the performance she is and how important every note that she hits is and that's that's what makes all the truly great artists uh, who they are and were. Um, I've only discovered her music in the past few years, and I'd seen some videos uh, of her playing guitar. She's a fantastic guitar player, uh, and then and singing as well, and, and a lot of different genres of music and different styles and approaches. So when I was thinking about a female 
gospel voice for uh, just across the river, uh, she came to my mind. And then we worked together on the Love Rocks benefit uh, at the Beacon. And she was great. And we hit it off and we're hanging out and, and chatting and said, well, let's do something together. And, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a cool combination. Our voices are different, but they're also coming from similar schools. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the contrast is the right amount and the, the similarity is the right amount. Long Time Coming is, is a blues tune with actually a lot of hope. Um, it sounds so fresh and it's inspirational for sure. Hopefully it picks up where Dreaming Out Loud leads off. Um, did you consider this as the closer for the album? It's the second last tune, at least on the tracking that I have. Um, did you consider this as the last song on the record just because of of how inspirational and joyful it is? I, I did, yeah. I, I thought about that as, as the closer at one point. But then uh, the way it goes into Gone Too Long really provides a, a stark contrast. And then Gone Too Long ends with that long, dramatic slide solo and kind of... Uh, I guess shies away from the positivity for a moment and takes us back to reality uh, yeah. a, a little bit, you know, and, and either way would have been fine, but I, in the long run, uh, gone too long as the closer won out because when I hear it, uh, I want to th uh, think of the record as, as finished, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and, yeah. And that's the way a lot of times uh, choosing a sequence, like it was weird choosing same as it ever was as the opener. Uh, and that was actually Jorgen's idea. And once uh, he suggested it, I thought, yeah, that's, that's great. It, it uh, It's so weird and different, but Hey, if you can't do that on your 12th record, when can you do it? And, and again, we're drawing the listener in starting out with acoustic guitar and it's really quiet and people are, like, what the hell is this? And then maybe 20 seconds in, uh, it starts to thunder, you know? I know a while back you talked about not being as comfortable on an acoustic as you are on an electric. Is that sort of, have you measured up yet? Have you Are you feeling more and more like an acoustic is just like playing uh, 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 an electric at this point? Well, I sit around my house and play acoustic all the time. Uh, I very rarely pick up an electric guitar at home, but uh, it's mostly for noodling around and writing. Uh, I don't know that I'll ever get to the point where I feel my, that my acoustic playing is on par with my electric playing, but it, it gets better all the time. But you know, when I see people like Tommy Emmanuel, the, uh, the way he plays acoustic guitar, I think, I would have to really woodshed many, many, many hours to to get anywhere close to that. Uh, but that's okay because we, you know, we make our decisions early on in life. What's most important? There are a lot of things that I second guess that I wish I had done, uh, or not not done differently, but applied more time to. But right. you know, uh, but in the moment, whatever seems most important at that time is is where we focus our attention. Um, given your personal health scare earlier this year and the personnel changes in the band, is this a rebirth of the mule of sorts after 12 records and, and all that you've been through to date? Is this, is this somewhat a rebirth of the, of the mule? 
Yeah, I, I can't help but think that it is. I know Kevin Scott's influence is going to be uh, very strong and valuable. And, you know, we're just starting and he's doing a fantastic job. So anytime you bring in a uh, new membership, it, it inspires uh, not only uh, new creativity, but new directions and, and approaches. And, you know, at the same time, I mean, Jorgen was in government mule for 15 years and the chemistry that we had developed over that 15 years was pretty astounding. So uh, we're going to have to work really hard to kind of get a lot of that back, even though, you know, Kevin's doing fantastic. Uh, I've always said, and I have to maintain it, your chemistry is only as strong as how many years you can keep it together and keep it growing, you know? So uh, the band sounds fantastic right now. I'm curious to hear a year from now and five years from now. Well, you're out on the road doing what you guys do uh, so well, touring lots uh, for June and July. Um, you're also going to have uh, Dark Side of the Mule come back again. It just seems like the summer's the time for Warren Haynes to be out on the road. Like this has been, you know, a long time with with the exception of the pandemic, a long time going, a long time running. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, and that's one of the things that I realized, I think we all realized uh, during the lockdown and confronting the, the pandemic, we're lucky to do what we do. And sometimes uh, when you don't have something, it makes you appreciate it so much more. And all the time we spent off the road just made us uh, yearn to be in front of an audience, you know, because uh, doing what we do, uh, especially considering how much improvisation goes into it uh, and how much we alter the set list night after night after night. We couldn't do that without the right audience. And we're blessed to have an amazing audience that encourages us and pushes us beyond uh, what we could do on our own. You know, what we try to do in the studio is capture what we know we can do on stage. And to have that opportunity is, is just something I could never take for granted. Well, I can't take uh, you for granted or spending time with us. Thanks so much for doing it. Um, we can't wait to see you in Toronto again real soon. You got to come back up to Toronto. We, we were rabid, you know, as you know, uh, for a government mule up this way. And well, we're uh, working on it. Perfect. Um, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully see you soon and uh, take care. All right. Thanks. Aaron. Good to see you. Always a pleasure talking to one of the best guitar players on the planet, not to mention a great singer, but most importantly, a really nice guy. For more on Government Mule's tour dates and to order Peace Like a River on vinyl, visit mule.net. Before we leave you, let's listen to another track off of Peace Like a River. Here is Just Across the River featuring Solis. Across the river, people are smiling so carefree. 
I've been told I can't redeem my soul. New world waiting for me. All my life, I've been shortchanged. Nobody wants to hear a poor boy complain. Work like a slave to stay out of the rain. And they close the factory down. Yeah, they close the factory down. But just across the river, you don't need a
You've been listening to The Sound Podcast. Technical production by Adam Karsh and Andrea Ruse. Inspired by the music we love. For more, visit thesoundpodcast.com.